0: Welcome, friends, to the Soul Talk podcast, a show where we explore and uncover the path to the heart, amplifying your conscience. Join me as we meet incredible souls who are in this journey and learn from their experience and different methods that will make you vibrate your heart. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. This is Monica Ramirez, where of love, and you're in Soul Talk. And today we have a very special invite. It's uh, a friend of mine that I, I feel like I, I knew her from a past life. And, uh, and her name is Nancy Agnes. She's in Canada. And, uh, and I really thank you for being here in Soul Talk, Nancy.
1: Oh, Thank you so much for having me here, Monica. I really appreciate it. It was such a pleasure to talk to you last time. I'm excited to talk to you again today.
0: Yes, it is great to have you again here with us. And I wanted to, well, can you press? Uh, can you tell us a little bit more of who you are and so forth, so like that? People who not saw you the first time, they know. Uh, they know you. This
1: sure, time. sure. So my name is Nancy, and I kind of uh, walk in two worlds. I have um, a career where I'm an assistant principal at a school, like in a big jurisdiction school system. I'm a mom of four kids, two I gave birth to, two I took in. And then the other side of myself is the spiritual side where I do uh, what I call soul telepathy. So I've been given the gift of being an empath where I'm able to hear what your soul is trying to tell you in order for your own growth and evolution. So I do readings and, and whatnot with that as well and then I recently branched in probably a little bit of inspiration there from you Monica as well is um I'm now selling my art. I've been making it just as gifts for people and whatnot and now I've um started going public with that too so I wear, wear lots of hats
0: that's I really mean, part of channeling is all the arts are included not only writing it's also painting and creating uh-huh. and sculpture and dancing and singing and all that is part of our our mission uh, and part of channeling because we are transmitting our messages through art.
1: Mm-hmm. So I believe that's yeah, when you're in that flow, it doesn't matter what the flow is, right? It's that connection, and then it's that output, the input and output, right?
0: Yes, Nancy. I I um I wanted to talk to you uh, today and to our listeners. Uh, to about um, a sisterhood hmm. That I believe that is a very important theme That is being touching more and more And I believe to the hearts of everybody in the females Obviously because we're talking about sisterhood in the world And uh, what it means for you to uh, have a sisterhood Or sisterhood in general
1: you know, it's so interesting, Monica, because I was actually just talking to my partner about this the other day and how so many women when they're younger, I know myself, I didn't have a lot of female friends because I felt that, you know, women were sort of catty and and negative or they were superficial or whatnot. And, and so most of my friends growing up were males. Well, now the tables have turned and I actually have such a beautiful community of women that I feel so supported by and encouraged by and inspired by, and we all connect, lift each other up, you know, support each other. And it really creates this network of vibrational energy and this network of, of connection, you know? And so I'd love to understand, you know, what's the shift, why, why, why do I feel that so much now compared to when I was younger? And then how can we encourage younger women to, to embrace that sisterhood and embrace that? Like, how can we, you know, encourage that sense of lifting as opposed to competition? You know, because I, I can honestly say with the, my sisterhood now, and they all, it's funny because I had a, my 50th birthday um, last year. Actually, I guess it was almost two years now, Um, but I had my 50th birthday and I realized like a friend of mine planned, it was during COVID and the regulations were you're only allowed to have 10 people. So we decided to just have a party of like, of the special women in my life. And so she invited, you know, 10, it was hard to narrow it down to the 10 special women in my life. And as I'm sitting around, I realized that almost none of them knew each other. They were all amazing women that I connect with here, 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 here. But almost there I think only two of them knew each other, and it was just such a powerful gathering and I remember thinking like why why doesn't this happen more often that we you know kind of unite in that space you know of being? I
0: believe that when we were younger i, I I'm your age, so we're young <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when we were younger, there was more competition and so forth and those kind of things and there was more envy and, and those and such uh, those things and come on as a women we can recognize that when we were not maybe not us, but we observe it in other people that there was always because there was that competition that energy they were trying to bring you down because they were mm-hmm. trying to raise themselves up so it was very hard to trust women. It was easy, that's why it was easier to have male friends because they were not in the same game.
1: Mm-hmm. Whereas now I find with my female friends, with my like, like you said, sisterhood like especially like I just had surgery and you know even the surgery itself happened because a friend of mine <coughs> called me in the summer and said, Nancy, I just had a dream that um they told me to tell you to warn you to get your left ovary checked and just as i'm talking to her on the phone i'm feeling some pain in my left side and i was like hmm okay you know i probably would have just chalked it up to menstrual cramps or being like close to menopause or whatever but because she had that dream because she reached out to me um i went and i got things checked and sure enough it was like yeah there's some stuff that has to be dealt with and everything got expedited so you know, even just her, like, thinking, instead of, you know, having that dream of going, oh, that was weird. She she took the time to call me and said, this may sound weird. Well, to me, nothing sounds weird. But, you know, and, and as a result, this all this all kind of unfolded. So and even just since my surgery, I've had so many of my friends, you know, and, and even people that I, this is actually another interesting part, even people that I don't really know that well, who found out the kind of surgery I had have been reaching out to me going, Oh, I had that. Or, um, my mom had that, or my sister had that. And, you know, and this is some things that they found. And it was this instant sort of community that, that came. And it reminded me a little bit of the first time I felt that was after I had a baby. And after my daughter was born, I all of a sudden felt connected to all the women that had ever given birth, Ever before that, or ever will, and I kind of felt this connection to this this womanhood, you know. And now, it's beyond, you know, mothers. It's it's all women, right? And that sisterhood. So, yeah, I, I definitely feel it, especially now, even since my surgery. So,
0: maybe it's because when you're in that moment, that it touches our femininity. Uh-huh. It is no competition. And mm-hmm. having that compassion, and when we are younger, we have a different kind of mentality, and now we can observe life in a different, very different way. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we already have the experience of life; we've been beat we've been passed through many, many things. That we have actually are now more compassion, or because when we see another woman suffering from any of problem that they can have in physical, mental, spiritual, in any way. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a valid point, because I think we start to, I don't know if it's age or experience or whatnot, but as, actually, I think it'd be experience, because as you experience things, especially hardship right? Yes. Um, as you experience hardship, you start to build that empathy. And so then you can empathize with other women for, you know, what they've gone through, what they've experienced. And it might not be exactly like yours, but you can empathize with some of those feelings. And I think it changes, like you said, from that sort of competition of bringing each other down or using someone's, um, you know, insecurities or pains to, to break down. And instead, it's that, how can I support, right? And I think, the more experiences you have the more at least i don't know maybe not everybody is like that maybe it's you know maybe there's certain people that are like that but i find the more experiences i have the more especially struggles that i've had the more empathy i develop cuz even in this situation, you know, as I'm feeling more helpless than I've been in a long time, you know, uh, until I can fully recover. I can't drive. I can't lift anything. I can't, you know, and I was thinking how grateful I am that I'm in a situation where I am supported um, right now, because in different times in my life, I wouldn't have been. And in different times of my life, this would have been very, very, very difficult. And then I thought about, all the women out there who may have gone through something similar that don't have supports and have to try and do it by themselves, you know, and I started feeling that empathy for you know people in different situations and I, and I think the more we go through, the more we experience, the more we develop empathy and and are able to relate to our sisters as opposed to viewing it as competition. and I you know, and I also think things are changing, maybe I'm naive, but I kind of feel that whole um patriarchal society of like you're only like the whole bridgerton thing you know you're only worth what your husband's worth or if you're married or if you have kids then you're worth something that's all going by the wayside you know as a woman you can be single you can be married you can have kids you can have not have kids and you're still just as much of a woman you know there's no there's no value i mean there still is in societal context but that's going away and so i think as that goes away that competition for um you know used to be at one point that you know if you could marry into something, that's how you got anything, so there was competition, whereas now women are making it for themselves, so I think the competition is it's not as important anymore, you know
0: and I'm glad that you touched that point because yes, I can see that changing. I wanna think that the new generations are gonna have less less left of leftovers of trauma than we got <laughs> I wanna, hopefully I
1: really wanna
0: that uh because yes i can see in the old even the old generations the mother competing with the daughters yes and that was very very destructive that's something that we still have to clean and clear for our future generations mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that we don't pass through that
1: and that's no, uh, true Yes, I think there's also that sort of independence that has to happen, too. Like, I know I went through it with my mom. When I look back on that time, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed at like how terrible I was to my mom. But there's that sort of time where I think young women almost have to like kind of assert themselves as like independent from their mothers, you know, and and it kind of goes through that phase. And And, you know, hopefully it can be done in a in a respectful way. But I think everyone goes through it to some degree. Yes. I know I did. Sorry, mom.
0: <laughs> I know that there's also, yes, nothing is personal. <laughs> We're talking in general. And it's just about the base of the clients that I have, the base of the clients. Well, I did pass through that. My mother was uh, very ambitious folk Her daughters and granddaughters, not the male ones, only the females. Mm-hmm. There was that kind of competition with my mother. And I, I saw that in generations and generations, it was the same thing. And now I wanna think that the now the females, adults, at least in my family, we're working with ourselves. So mm-hmm. we don't pass that to our daughters and later on granddaughters and so on. So because mm-hmm. that's how it was transmitted to my ancestors, females.
1: Yeah. And I think there's an awareness now, whereas like I think at one point, it was survival, you know, you had to, you know, acquire a certain amount of, you know, land or wealth or whatever, just to survive, you know, whereas now, there's a lot more choice, women now are allowed to, you know, follow your dreams, it's a lot more of a choose your own adventure it used to be even not that long ago, my generation, you know, is, I think the sort of first generation where, you know, gone are the days of, of you go to school you get a career you stay in that career you retire or whatever you know like or you you go to school you get married you stay at home with your kids and then you know whereas now it's yeah you can have kids and then run a side business and then do consulting and then la 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 you know there's so many different things or you can start in one career and they say that the Average, I think it's actually higher than that now, but the average career change for a person now is between six and seven careers in a lifetime, you know, which at one point that would have been unheard of. And so I think as women, you know, there's still some inequity, you know, definitely I'm not going to, you know, whitewash that, but there's a lot more opportunity than there was. So I think as a result, you know, scarcity breeds that competition, scarcity breeds that sort of take mentality you know, scarcity breeds the fear that leads to that competition. You know, the mother-daughter. I want to make sure my daughters have, you know, as much as I did, or whatever, or or they live up to my expectations, which may be perhaps not realistic. You know, and so I think, um, you know, n- now that there, I mean, there's still scarcity in in different areas, but it there, there's more opportunity, and so I think that feeling of fear um, is maybe. Starting to minimize a little, which is allowing for that sisterhood. I also think, on an energetic level, and I'm sure you feel this too, is that we're being called to gather. You know, that actually happened the other day. I had my first market booth, and all these amazing women that had different stalls around, you know, where I was. Um, all came up to me they're all like healers and spiritual workers and stuff and they're all talking to me. and and then the one said we're we're being called to gather so we're finding each other right and I just thought you know what you're right like the earth is hurting as a as a hum- human species as humanity we're we're hurting and you know the mothers the sisters the goddesses are are, are being called to gather in order to heal to nurture and the more actually, I'm getting tons of energy as I'm saying this. I don't know if you can see it, but I'm getting like goosebumps and stuff. And it's like, we're being called to gather so that we can heal and nurture instead of tear down. It's about putting together, building together. And so we're being called as women to, to unite and to gather and to heal, right. To nurture each other.
0: Yes, definitely. There's a lot of things that we have to heal as females, living in this patriarch society, Mm-hmm. is i am mexican so we have a very strict culture for females right and uh, that was uh a tough one and I, I can still see it with many of my friends that some of them are awake some of them they're not living in mexico and once they're not awake they're having a hard time because they're still in the program
1: and they're probably feeling it and so there's a the discord right
0: Yes, because those are the ones more judgmental to others women. We go to the old patterns, the old world and
1: mm-hmm. the competition
0: and the envy and so on. So why? Because they they are following the pattern, They're following the the programs of the society. The
1: program. Yeah, the program, you know, and it's 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 hard when it's incultured when you are just immersed in it, you know. And I mean it's it's easy to say, but you know, even like lots of times when I do readings, right, for people um what sometimes comes up in the throat chakra is is how we talk to ourselves right and um how what kinds of words we say and often what comes out is i'll ask people to kind of as they're saying certain things to themselves ask whose voice is this where does this come from you know and sometimes it's identifiable it's a it's a mother it's a sister it's a whatever but sometimes it's a societal voice you know and I've had so many friends recently who are choosing not to have children that are feeling this pressure that somehow that they're not fulfilling an expectation if they don't have children, yet they're not feeling called to have children. And I keep saying, like, I love my children, but having children is a is is a is a big thing and it's not for everybody. And if that's not what you're called to do, then there's no there's no, there's nothing less about you as a woman if you choose not to have children, but there is that societal voice still. And, and so I think we have to really tease out sometimes whose voices are those? You know, is it really our soul saying this is what we want? Because if it is, then we can look at that differently. Or is it other voices, you know? And so as we're speaking to ourselves, we need to, we need to be aware, right?
0: I totally agree with you because, yes, it is it is very true. The pattern was all you know, the females were born to basically, in those times, it was just to serve the men.
1: Uh-huh. And,
0: and we didn't have to even, we were, it was prohibited to actually to go to college or have any kind of studies. Uh-huh. Even, I believe in the 40s or 50s in the United States, that's when the women could have a credit card. And before they couldn't even have properties in their name. Or boy,
1: right. <laughs> like, well, and that's the thing you had, and I think that's what bred that sense of competition was mm-hmm. that you couldn't have anything unless you're married. You know, it's interesting because when I first started doing the work that I'm doing and working with my mentor, she introduced me to Madame Blavatsky, and I don't know if you know who that is, but yes. um, she's you know kind of the mother of theosophy and and different things. But you know, she basically got married just so that she was no longer a single woman. You know, and she traveled the world, but she was able to do so because she was married. So without, you know, with, like without those rules, like you couldn't do anything, and so you had to find your situation that allowed you to have any sense of freedom or any sense of, you know, experiences or adventure. And so I think that bred that competition. Whereas now, you know, women are more and more empowered to 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 do it. That their the rules are becoming less they're still there they're still there you know we're still fighting against them but there is less which I think is allowing us to develop that sisterhood and that those bonds as opposed to you know and you know that said I wonder sometimes culturally you know there are some cultures that do seem to have these strong women bonds um you know where they're they, they like you know, takes a village to raise a child, kind of thing. And there's this strong bonding. That's whereas here, where I live, it, it, there's a lot of isolation. You're kind of on your own unless you're, and then you're weak if you ask for help, right? And so there's a lot of there's some things that need to change.
0: <laughs> it's exactly contrary where I come from. Is you're required to ask for help, even if you don't need it, because or else mm. how dare you? You're not going to ask for help. Who do you think you are? It is is very different.
1: Interesting. Whereas here, you're weak if you ask for help, you know, and you should be able to do everything all by yourself, you know, and that's really not the way it is, you know? It's
0: it's a game and basically both of them are games because you ask for help because that's what you're supposed to ask. Then you're going to be crucified because you ask for help because Oh, of course, you don't know how to do it. Like I asked because I was supposed to ask. Yes, but no. You should not. Uh, you should ask, but not ask. It was so confusing before.
1: <laughs> you know that makes me think of like I've seen a couple of people's posts lately where it's like you know, as a woman, you're supposed to be this, but not this. And you're supposed to be this, but not this. And and it's all these con- contradicting mm-hmm. things that it it's almost impossible. Like you can't you can't be. Everything you know, and so I think at some point, and maybe this comes with age, Monica, you know, or this is similar age, but at some point you stop caring about all those different rules and all the different you're supposed to be this, you're supposed to be that, and you start just being yourself and figuring out what yourself even is, because I think you know as a young woman you're you're still kind of figuring that out, and that's where that competition comes in sometimes, and that's where that kind of one up kind of comes in, or you know. I'd like to think I wasn't like that, but I'm sure I was, you know, um, whereas now it's kind of to each your own, like, you know, be, be who you are, be what you want to be. And, you know, I think, I think we're, we're evolving a little bit that way, or maybe it's just as I get older, it doesn't matter to me as much. I believe
0: that brought a lot of the, because I was thinking right now in the magas in the maga time. When the Mayas uh, were more strong, there was a, it was more a matriarch society, more than a patriarch society. Mm-hmm. And when the women got to the fifty two years old, they changed to a, a different uh, cycle in the same calendar uh, in the same calendar.
1: Mm-hmm. and that's
0: when they become uh, their respected grandmothers,
1: mm-hmm. even if they do not
0: have kids, but it was uh, it was a title that it was given to them because now they were the wise woman, the ones that went to, people went to ask for advice and so forth. And it was respected and it was seen for the entire society that it was there in a very different way.
1: Uh Now,
0: in these days, of course, we, we don't see that much and we don't put that, even if we have the knowledge and the experience for all the mistakes that we have done when we were younger, and now we can say, oh, I would not do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't advise you to do that because why I did it two or three times. Do as I
1: say, week. not as I did, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, for sure. And, and and it's interesting because you mentioned that, like, for me, it was a couple of years ago, I started to feel this. I don't know, I described it as turning inside out, you know, and I wondered if that was like perimenopausal or what was going on. But I felt this sense of turning inside. But then as I was turning inside, I was also turning out, like it was almost like I was like, just completely shifting. And I kept feeling this sort of energetic feeling of sort of turning inside out. And I think it's almost like what happened was who I was on the inside has now started to radiate outward is this is just who I am all the time now. And so it's, it's, it's this, it was this turning inside out. And I, and I remember clearly having those feelings and I remember thinking, and I think I even had some dreams about it in terms of the, you know, the crone, right. And turning into the crone. And even though, you know, I don't want to identify with the crone, but at the same time, you know, like you said, that there's a certain age where you, You develop that wisdom and then it's your job to be, you know, a knowledge keeper, someone with wisdom, someone, you know, not, not giving my opinion where it's not wanted, but, you know, at the same time I've been, I've been places, I've done things I've, you know, and I maybe have a little bit of wisdom that I can impart and, and also learn from our elders. We don't nearly, um, connect with our elders anymore as much, at least in, in my, where, where I am. We don't have that connection to our elders nearly to the degree that I think it we should.
0: When we get to this age uh, at the same time, the judgments of others does not affect us as much as when we were younger.
1: Uh-uh.
0: Like, I really do not care. I, now I come <laughs> to understand completely that we're all one at the same time. We're all one. And whatever other people, I am reflecting to them something that they have to work for themselves
1: absolutely and
0: the same vice-versa if something is making me react i understand that they're just bringing something that i want needing to work with myself that doesn't Mm -hmm. have to do anything with that person that is making me react and uh the work is mine and and that also brings us the liberty to be completely us because we don't care
1: (laughs) Right. And then as a result, we become more and more authentic, which I think also develops that sisterhood. And I was looking like, you know, I was having a conversation the other day and we were talking about something, it was something on the media or news or something, and it was something going on. And I just thought not a single person that I associate with would ever behave that way. Like it just, you know, like I, and I, and I started kind of taking stock of who are my friends, who is my sisterhood and every single person that i consider my friend i have so much respect for and are such respected amazing people it doesn't mean they're perfect we all have our you know flaws and our idiosyncrasies and whatnot but they're all people that are walking this earth to try to make the world a better place. So my advice is, you know, if if you find yourself surrounded in situations that feel toxic, or feel like they bring out the worst in you, Mm -hmm. then look around at who you're spending your time with, you know, and if those people aren't capable of growth at this point in time, find the people that you resonate with, I often tell, young girls you know that are having lots of girl problems I'm like it gets easier eventually you find your people you know um and I think now like I I I just I look at the people that are in my circle and they're all people that vibrate at a you know higher level higher frequency and I feel so blessed you know I feel so blessed and I also find that I'm attracting new people like that you know so I'll meet like, well, like you, I just met you not that long ago. And there's that, that resonance and, you know, different people you kind of just connect with and resonate with because you're on. So when you become more aware of yourself and the energy that you're putting out and who you are, you start to attract those people. So, you know, young women or, or any women that are, you know, feeling like they're not inspired by the people that they're spending time with, you know, branch out a little bit and see you know what does inspire you because you know that that resonating elevates right
0: remember when we're putting boundaries and the people that are not used to, to our boundaries because mm. we never had it before of course they're not gonna like our boundaries
1: Mm-mm.
0: they are gonna try to do whatever to bring down those boundaries so we need to honor ourselves even in those moments, and you have to let go people that they were dearly for you. I have let go people that they were dearly for me, but they were not respecting those boundaries.
1: Yeah, and that's really important, you know, to to recognize. And I found actually it was one of my mentors, one of my teachers, you know, because um, boundaries is definitely something that I struggle with sometimes, and and setting boundaries and and having expectations, right? Like I tend to because I can accommodate, I do, as opposed to kind of setting boundaries and saying, no, this is what I expect. But I found I've been using the term sometimes I can't make that work right now. And so I don't have to tell them why it might just be that I don't feel like it. It might just be that I'm tired. It might just be, but by saying, I just can't make that work right now. Um, I'm, I, the first time I started using that, I was, a. I was amazed at how nobody questioned it was like, oh, okay. You know, and and I realized what amazing people I have around me that when I said, you know, I can't make that work right now, they were like, okay, no problem. Maybe we can do another time or da-da-da. You know, and I didn't, I didn't have to tell them why, <laughs> I didn't have to make an excuse, I didn't have to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't make it work. And then, you know, there's certain situations where, you know, people might have different reactions. And I realized, you know what, those are those are not the people that I need to be around, you know, and and it's about acceptance, right? You you get to know. Your sisters and you know, you know, who needs what? Oh, this person needs a bit more compliments or ego stroking. So I'll make sure to do that. And this person needs to have someone check in, you know, and so you kind of get to know what people need, and then and then you can create that community, right?
0: And do you think that the uh, young generations, females, because we're talking again of no, sisterhood, that's why not. I'm mm-hmm. not adding it. it's not that I'm screwing guys. It's just, we're talking about sisterhood.
1: <laughs> yes, there's a brotherhood too and a familyhood, but this is this one's about sisterhood. I got it, yeah.
0: And uh, but, uh, do you think the young generations that are, I don't know, in their 20s, 30s, they I see them struggling, struggling with this sisterhood because they're still in that competition, in that, um...
1: you know. With those I think-
0: problems, how do how do we help them out? I
1: think there's a lot of factors there. I think one is that at one point in time, you know, before internet, before cell phones, whatnot, the only way to have an experience was to go and have an experience. So you had to go out and have an experience. Whereas now you can have all the experiences from the comfort. I mean, here we are talking, I'm in Canada, you're there. We're like, you know, so you can have these experiences without leaving, without actually connecting. And I think some of the art of genuine connection has been lost a little bit. Um, that's one factor. And I think the other factor is that, again, like I'm not down on social media because it's a great tool, it's a great platform, it's a, it's a great way to connect. But uh, especially women who have this innate sense of uh, competition, we see the top of the top, right? So we see like even if you ever scroll like TikTok or Facebook or Instagram, you see women in their like absolute perfection. They've done their makeup, they've done it, you know, and so you don't see the gender. So it's very hard to feel like you compare because we see the top of the top, but we don't, they're only that top in that one picture, in that one photo, in that one moment And the, in the rest of our lives, it might be a complete mess, but We're constantly inundated, and especially young people are constantly inundated with these images of perfection, whatever that might be, whether it's like super skilled at this or super skilled, or maybe beautiful, whatever. But they're constantly inundated where it's very difficult to feel that sense. There's no such thing as ordinary and average anymore. Everything that we're shown is that excellence. And so Average doesn't really exist, so it's very hard as an average, you know, to 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 connect and to be that. And so it's easier just to to hide and and you know be by yourself than than to jump in, right?
0: Oh, we see even the technology; it, it yeah. goes with the same competition and the same comparison with the filters.
1: Yes, oh.
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is being very funny. <laughs> things that we have all seen in social media with the filters when filters go wrong.
1: <laughs> yes. I myself played with the Marilyn Monroe filter the other day and laughed my head off. It was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not real, right? And I so I think people feel, and I think as a young woman, you're naturally almost insecure, right? Like it's it's a cultural thing. It's Maybe it's a female thing. I don't even know. But when you couple that with this sense of you've got to be this, 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 this perfection, plus this sort of lack of connection, right? It's very hard to find that sisterhood. And I think that's where women, um, maybe older women, maybe that's where the crone comes in. That's where that, like you said, the 52 and up, the grandmothers, you know, maybe that's where we need to create gathering spaces. We need to create some healthy gatherings. We need to create some healthy experiences for these young women to connect in an authentic way where they don't have to be, you know, at the club all dressed up, but like a way that we can, you know, maybe in nature, but like a a way for young women to genuinely create those connections to, to create those opportunities for sisterhood. I think that's a great idea. I think we should do that.
0: Really, <laughs> we should. Because at the same time, what is the, let's, let's get it deeper in there. If we actually we remember when we were younger, and I believe it's the same thing that is applying right now that we, when we were in our 20s or 30s. Uh, It was you go to a a club or something like that. It's like a meat market. I used to even call it meat markets. And for what reason? To bring the attention of the boys. So in that time when they were not even men, they were just boys. And uh, and to someone who make you feel pretty because you did not feel pretty enough. You were not honoring yourself and you did not like yourself because you were trying and comparing yourself all the time with everybody else.
1: Mm-hmm. It's so, that comparison. That comparison. That's the worst part. Yes. Yeah. So
0: that's so really finding at last women. Yeah.
1: So finding authentic ways for young women, older women, middle-aged women to connect in a situation where that comparative element is out of it. You know, it as you were talking, it made me think of when I was in high school, right? I had or junior high, let's say. So that's for me, like grade nine. So I would have been like what twelve. 12 years old, 13 years old. Um, and I remember I've always been a bigger girl. Like I was never fat, fat, but I was, I was always a bigger girl and I was very healthy. I was very strong, but that was the time of like, you know, who was the superstars at the time? Kate Moss, like these tiny, tiny. And so that, that was the fact we were watching videos from the eighties the other day. And I was just like, Holy cow. That was what was, was popular was the, the smaller, the better. And I don't disparage, you know, small women, big women, we're all women, right. And, and, but at the time, I wanted to wear certain clothes, but because my friends looked better in those clothes than I did, because they were designed for that kind of body versus mine, I took a complete turn and decided to dress in the most avant garde so that, you know, and I would, I was like, very creative with my clothing, much to my mother's, you know, worry. I was very creative, but I think I did it so that I couldn't be compared because I didn't feel like my body measured up to what they looked like. So if I just made it so that I couldn't be compared, it was apples to oranges, you know, but as a result, I may have alienated myself from certain situations that, that I could have, you know, probably had some good experiences in. And so I think, You know, we need to, I think women are, are, younger women are a bit better now in that, you know, we're aware of body shaming. We're aware that women have different shapes and sizes. And I think we're more open to that to some degree. We have a ways to go.
0: I believe also the approach that you took then, it was actually way better than mine. Mine, I was still comparing myself. I was trying to compete. I was comparing myself with everybody else. Because I was in the magazines, uh, Cyndi Lauper, uh, et etc., et cetera, You know, I even dressed like Cindy Lauper for a while. And I was the punk little girl, you know, it's <laughs> from the 80s. <laughs> but the original reality, uh, being original, got lost because you were just copying. You would just were copy and paste, basically, of everybody or whatever pop artist was in that time. In the eighties, so you lost that part, and now that you mm-hmm. because you were caring too much what other people would say, not the parents because we were teenagers or in their twenties, we were still against the parents in that time but uh but in but you were you wanted your friends to be accepted by a group, you were accepted, and mm-hmm. so forth, and that's when many people get lost, and that's why the sisterhood in that time it was very, very hard,
1: mm-hmm. So how do we like, you know, I'm thinking about my granddaughter, my granddaughter's three, you know, and how do we, how do we break, start working at breaking that down? Like as, you know, sort of the older generation now, how do we start modeling that in a way so that, you know, the young women coming up now, you know, the 20 somethings, whatnot, like. I would love to believe that there's less of a sense of competition that there's I mean, I know there is, but how can we model that? How can we support that? How can we, I believe what you know,
0: we can, I believe what we can do, it is celebrate being original. How would you do mm-hmm. things different mm-hmm. than the magazines, the TV, because those are the ones that put the pressure and what kind of body Mm -hmm. you you have to have Mm -hmm. or how you got to dress or what brands you have to buy.
1: And that's Mm -hmm. just marketing. It is.
0: And uh, in the moment we tell them, how would you do this different
1: than Mm -hmm.
0: anyone else? Then we're celebrating in a way being original. So they don't have to
1: go in competition. You know, it was a few years ago now, probably um, six or seven years ago now, a while. But there was one New Year's Eve that I wanted to create a different kind of New Year's resolution. Like instead of like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to blah, blah, blah. or I want to, you know, I wanted to create something different. And I said to myself, anytime I think something positive about someone, I'm going to say it out loud. Like I'm going to compliment people. Like if I, if I think it and I'm in vicinity, I'm going to say it. And I remember the first couple of times doing it, right? I, very clearly. I remember, you know, noticing different people and I'd be like, oh, I really like your boots or I really like how your hair is done or I really like, and lots of times people just gave me this weird, like, you know, sort of double day look like what me, what, you know? And then every time the smile would erupt. Right. And usually I just say it and keep going, you know, because it wasn't meant to be a big conversation. It was just like a, Hey, I thought it, so I'm say it out loud to you. Um, you know, there was one time where the, the, the one that was really like struck me was this, um, older lady. She was in the grocery store and she was very, you know, I could tell that she had like really put thought into her outfit and she looked just lovely. It was a Sunday. And I told her, I said, you look very nice today. Your outfit is very beautiful. And she started to cry and she started and she told me that um, she hadn't gone to church or she hadn't really gone out much since her husband had passed away. And this was her first day trying to like decide, okay, it's time for me to, to get back to the land of the living. And so she chose this outfit to try and like, you know, boost herself. And, and I just thought, you know, I could have easily have walked by not said anything not you know, but I think by, when you when you think something positive about someone, just just say it, you know. And then I think those little boosts, the eight, just those tiny little boosts, are just enough. You never know what that person's going through. Maybe they're feeling a bit insecure, and when you say, "Hey, I love your necklace," or "I love, you know, you look really great today," or "I love your smile," or blah, but blah, 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 that might just be the one little thing they need to kind of boost them past that that insecurity or that competition or that, you know, like maybe because, you know, now I've made it a practice, I just do it all the time. But I do remember clearly the reactions at the beginning, um, where people kind of would do this, and they still sometimes double take. And sometimes they still, you know, but now I don't really think about it, I don't really notice, I just say it. But, um, you know, I think maybe we need a bit more of that, especially from women, you know, women supporting women and, and taking those moments to compliment. You know, and and tell each other what we love about each other, what we support about each other, and what we value. You know,
0: um, because it is very different when it comes from a man. It is very different energy and is very different intentions. Not all the time. I want to clarify that.
1: Yeah, but it's it's hard it's because, you know, it's funny because that said, you know, I I actually had the experience where I realized because there was a waiter that I was in Banff and a waiter came and he had really blue eyes and he was wearing a tie that matched his eyes. And I remember thinking that looks really nice. Like it's a really nice combination. And because of my habit of, you know, saying it when I think it, because it was a man, I stopped myself and I thought, and I had to think, okay, why am I stopping myself? It's because I didn't want him to think I was hitting on him, you know. And I thought, how unfortunate that I can't compliment somebody without me worrying that they're thinking I'm hitting on. them. So I did. I ended up telling him, you know what? I love the color of your tie with your eyes; it really matches. And I had this moment of, please don't let him think I'm hitting on him, you know. Like, and he and he said, "Thank you so much for saying that." And then we ended up having a conversation, and they said, "You know, I hesitated saying it because I didn't want you to think I was hitting on you, or you know." And I just you know, I'm in this habit. I try to say, if I think it, I say it and he appreciated it. And so I think it's tricky, you know, but you're right that, that female energy of when a woman compliments another woman and, and boosts them up, mm-hmm. there's no possibility of us misinterpreting that as ulterior motives. And I'm not saying that men have ulterior motives whenever they're complimenting. I'm sure a lot of them don't, Um, but it's easy to misconstrue. And it's easy then not even to misconstrue in terms of that, but to negate it, to say, well, they're just saying that because they want this, or they're just saying that because, you know, whereas I think sometimes when it comes from a woman and it's genuine, right, then you can't negate it as easily, which is sad. It's sad that we negate it, but you know, I, I think, I think we're less likely to negate it as having some other. Because
0: we're still all programmed at the same time, so the mm-hmm. men are still programmed as females, but uh, the men has oh. the mentality that they, when they say it, is because they're hitting and so on. They're not, not, not all the time. I'm not going to say never because that's a, that would be a lie. But uh, but the majority of the time when they say a oh, woman, oh, you look very pretty, it goes with a different intention that actually what it, it just you just look pretty.
1: Yeah, you can feel the intention. Yeah. And you're right. I, I, I wish it was different. I would love to say, well, no, that's not true. But you know what it, it is, you know, most of the time when you get that kind of attention, it's it is. Which is unfortunate. We should be able to just support and be like, hey, you're beautiful that's, and have it not mean anything, right?
0: And that's just the physical part when we're saying, oh, your boots or you look pretty or whatever looks pretty, et cetera. But now we go to the emotional part. Yes. The emotional part, we still so programmed. And I cut myself today twice saying to someone, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. And uh, And the second time I say it today, I was like, wait, wait. No, you know what? I wanna cry. I's like, and they look at me like, really, like, yeah, really. It's like I'm it's like, why have to say as part of the program? say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. And you, that's the norm of the society. How you? should i oh, <laughs> But when it is not true, to female to female, why not to say? You know what? I'm having a shitty day. I feel sad. I am weary, I am hungry, I am whatever emotion or or feeling that you're 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 having in that moment not to say it
1: you know what, and that goes back to that sisterhood because I can say honestly right now that my group, my friend base, you know when they ask me how I'm doing, I feel like I can be honest, you know I've had a lot of people check in on me recently because of the surgery, and I feel like I can be honest and say, you know what I'm having a really down day today because I f- hate feeling so dependent, you know? Um, and it, I think it also depends on kind of who you surround yourself with. And it's also, like you said, before the modeling, right? I think we have to normalize that it's okay to not be happy all the time. It's okay to, um, you know, be real. And especially I think about new moms, right? And new moms are supposed to be like La la la! Everything's great. I love you know. When really being a new mom is really hard, and you know, I think we need to normalize sometimes to say like, "Hey, I'm I'm struggling a bit." Like, you know, and it's it's not a bad thing to struggle a bit, you know. And, um, you know, there's a certain degree of positivity in that, you know, people you know, want to be lifted. And so if you're constantly complaining, that could be a problem, but I think there's an honesty piece there that we need to normalize a little bit. And, and it doesn't have to be wallowing. It can just be a, yeah, I'm having kind of an off day today. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed, you know, and it doesn't even have to be more than that, right? Like it can just, but it's, it's normalizing some of those conversations.
0: A long time ago, I, I did read the book, The Man for Mars and the Woman for Good Events. I don't know if anyone has read it, but I recommended you to read it.
1: I do. Um, I actually just had a conversation <laughs> with my daughter about that book. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it sounds easy, but it was very on point, And it has to do with this point, precisely. Because females, like in the book says, and it is true, when we are talking about how was our day or how we're feeling, we just want to be listened. We don't need to fix anything. We just need don't advise. advice. Leave.
1: We just want to say it.
0: And the We hear ourselves a,
1: say it, we process it, it's done.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. We can, it's completely done. But in the mail, when we're talking with our males, the males are trying to fix it. That's what the book talks about. And in, I, I believe it is really on point. That's why I believe at our age, that we're not trying to flirt, where we're not trying to have nothing with a, a male friend. So we can't tell them, hey, I have this problem because they're going to try to fix it.
1: And I think it's also, and that goes back to the sisterhood part, because also in that book, and yeah, some of that book is kind of cheesy, but there are some points to it. And the point that I was bringing up with my, my daughter the other day was that she was concerned because her boyfriend, she's young, she's 23, and her boyfriend was, you know, dealing with some stuff. And so he kind of just got quiet and was taking his time to process. And she was like, I feel like I want to, you know, and I was like, I remember in that book when I read that it's like women need to talk it out. Most women, okay, I'm generalizing, stereotyping, yes. but most women need to check it out, and that's why you need to have that sisterhood, so you can talk it out, hear yourself talk, hear the ideas form, um, allow you to know what kind of action to take. Whereas I think men tend to cave a little bit; they go, they process, they and then they come back, right? And so, right, to think, <laughs> right? And so I think again that sisterhood is so important to have people that you talk to have people that you just voice your stuff you know unfortunately I think some women get into like a one-up like as soon as you're like oh I'm having problems with this it turns into oh yeah my kids are like that too blah 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 and it turns into like kind of a you know who has it worse um you know so you want to be careful that we don't enter into that kind of you know mentality but there's definitely a you know a need we need to talk it out that's part of you know, I think our I mean, someone else might disagree, but I, I believe it's, I know it's part of my genetic makeup. I need, when I'm having a problem about something, I need to talk it out, but I'm selective with who I talk it out to, right? Because you don't want it to come back and bite you. You don't want when your opinions change, you know, I have a very good friend who will, you know, sometimes complain about her partner But she complains to me because I'm safe. I'm not going to judge her partner. I like her partner, you know. And so, yes, I know that there, you know, can be ups and downs and whatnot. But she can vent to me and I'm not going to hold it against him. You know, I'm not going to be like, oh, you you know. And I think you have to be careful to find safe people to talk to so that it doesn't affect later on. But it's important that you find that sisterhood of people to talk to, to talk it out so that you can process.
0: Yes people that there's if they're, uh, they're competing in the competition and they're trying to in the envy, and it's gonna be very hard to actually make a sisterhood with them until they decide to change uh-huh. because they're still playing the game of uh-huh. our ancestors that there was not actually a, a very healthy sport like that.
1: Uh-uh.
0: And yes. How would you yeah. would you use the same information for for your therapies that you're doing? Because now I know that you're a, a neurolinguistic programmer NLP, and congratulations for that!
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think a lot of it is how we talk to ourselves, right? I've done recently. I've had a couple readings where you know. Um, Well, there's one in particular, when I do readings, I often I don't remember much afterwards because I'm channeling the information. So but there's certain key things that sometimes I'll remember. So I don't remember the whole situation. But I do remember that this one woman I was working with, she um, was a bit afraid of going into a new situation because she was afraid it would be repeating patterns. It would be it would be going back to who she was before that she didn't want to be that anymore. And so I in working with her and whatnot, I realized she has already done so much growing. So she could never be that anymore. So Mm -hmm. using NLP, I created a meditation for her to kind of allow herself to kind of experience her own magnitude, her own power, and then superimpose it with kind of situation from the past and just see how small that other one was versus now, and until it eventually, you know, squishes out and becomes blurry and just isn't part of it anymore just that sort of meditation you know an NLP meditation almost to to kind of change the talk change what we say to ourselves and I think you know that goes with that competition stuff if we can start stepping into our magnitude and and really um you know accepting our flaws and our foibles and our idiosyncrasies and our quirkiness and the different things that make us us But celebrating all the amazing things that make us, us, you know, and focusing more on those parts, managing the other parts, you know, I think that's the key, you know, and the more we can kind of incorporate that through how we speak to ourselves, you know, that self-talk is huge. That comes up a lot. In fact, I've often thought, I've never really thought about creating a course. I am an educator. I'm a teacher by, by trade and i've often thought if i was to create a course that's something that i would like to to do because that comes up a lot in readings is in the throat chakra how we talk to ourselves and the words we use and where it comes from and where those words come from and whether we're honest with ourselves you know and we can be so hard on ourselves you know and it's not helpful so yeah something to think about
0: i do agree uh, we tend to We tend, as as a humanity, we tend to judge everybody, but not only judging everybody, we're judging ourselves. We did the mistakes that we all did. There is no one that can say, I have never done a mistake. Of course, they have, everybody have done mistakes. And in the moment when we did the mistakes, it was with information that we had in that moment. That is how years later, you're going to say, oh, I have more information. I would never do that. But you did it.
1: That's you what didn't. I
0: mean, you are and
1: that's why absolutely, you know, Monica, that's such an important point because there's so many times, even in my own life, I look back, I was like, how, why did I do that? There was a reason I did that, you know? Um, and, and when I really reflect on it, it was either learning or there was a reason. I had a deficit in this, and so I got attracted to that because that fulfilled that. And then I was like, oh, but there's this, this, this. And and so it's all about that learning. Um, that's another thing that often comes up in readings, like when we're talking about the third eye and people are like, you know not wanting to trust their intuition because the last time they trusted their intuition it ended up being a bad situation it's like is there really a bad or good situation or is it that's exactly what your soul needed to learn so if your soul and my soul's here to figure out boundaries so I keep managing to find myself in situations where I have to learn to set boundaries and my gut my intuition leads me into these situations and I think how did I get myself here Well, because I've told my soul, my soul has said, I want to learn about boundaries. So it's like, oh, here's a perfect opportunity for her to learn about boundaries. And so I'm drawn to it, right? And then I'm like, oh, here we are. Okay. But I'm finding the more that I practice and the more I kind of actually internalize that learning, the less I'm finding myself in that situation. So is it that my intuition is not guiding me there anymore? Or is it that I don't need that lesson as much anymore? So now I'm going to be finding other lessons you know to be honest my intuition is now guiding me into lessons where i need to be dependent and ask for help uh, from other people and that's not one that i'm comfortable with right now and that's the where i seem to be
0: the universe is gonna always give us what we ask for right and if you don't want it anymore because you already got the lesson and you don't want to continue repeating well that's something that then you have to actually say to your spirit or the universe i'm done okay Learn my i'm lesson. done with that lesson i got, <laughs> it. got
1: it i got that now <laughs> you know and i might get I, th- I think i got thrown a couple more just to see if i had really got it but you know i you know we evolve and so i think that's a big thing is it's one thing to um you know that our intuition is just going to lead us into only uh, like uh, no i think that i think that um Yeah, our intuition leads us into the very scenarios that we need. And if we reframe for ourselves that it's learning as opposed to failure, you know, then we can also look and and not judge others, you know, and that goes back to that sisterhood and that, well, you know, I just thought of uh, when I was pregnant with my son, um, I was working in um, a very impoverished area as a teacher. And I found myself judging the mothers of a lot of the families. And I had to take myself out of that situation because I thought these moms don't need my judgment right now. What they need is my support. But because I was pregnant and I was like super hormonal and like all like mommy had, I wasn't able to take that step out. So I removed myself from that situation. And I reflect on that sometimes because you know, people that are struggling, they don't need our judgment. They need our support. They need our help. They need our guidance. They need our wisdom. They, you know, they don't, they don't need our judgment. You know, everybody is doing the best they can with what they have. And until you have walked a mile in their shoes, you can't judge. And so you can have, you know, the gorgeous supermodel who's actually insecure and you're thinking like, how, you know, or you can have the You know, the businesswoman who's all together, who's actually going home and crying because, you know, and until you've walked a mile in someone's shoes, you you can't judge. And so I think that aspect alone can promote that sisterhood. Everyone is trying to do the best they can with what they have. And, you know, how can I support you? What can I what can I do? How can I support you? That's that's what we need to do. And from a place of kindness, not judgment.
0: Yes, we need compassion for everybody compassion mm-hmm. for ourselves and compassion for others and that's mm-hmm. very important and Nancy you need to let us know when you're going to be teaching that class so we can help you promote it we have, can have another soul talk
1: with sure. you so and you can promote it and I've been yes, thinking about it yeah maybe while I'm on leave here I'm not I'm not at work while I'm recovering from my surgery maybe I'll, I'll put some time into putting my education degree to work and creating a, a course on how we talk to ourselves
0: It is fun. It is fun putting classes together and it's like, what I can teach, how I'm going to teach it. And the creativity just starts running in the artists and ourselves. And it just comes amazing masterpieces in there.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll I'll maybe pick your brain on that because I've, I've created, you know, tons of courses and workshops for education matters, teaching teachers how to teach and, you know, teaching pre-service teachers and I teach for our teachers organization. So I teach, you know, teachers all over, you know, on education matters, but I've never spent the time to put together teaching from that soul place. And maybe I need to marry the two and, um, yes. okay. and put that together.
0: Some tips and so forth, how I do it. Okay. It's, it is, it is, it makes you feel good when you can help someone. It is, absolutely. It's absolutely very satisfying sensation.
1: Well, and it seems to be a common theme. There are a couple of things that come up in my readings that are like everyone's reading is 100% unique and it's 100% what's relevant to that person at that moment in time. Yes. But it's amazing how often that message comes up in different ways, in different capacities and different stuff. But that particular, you know, we, we, the way we talk to ourselves is, is very, it, it's definitely a, something that needs to be considered and worked on and, and maybe overcome to some degree. Yes.
0: Beautiful. Do you have something else that would you like to add before we close?
1: Just tapping in to see if there's any like collective wisdom. Because one of the things I do, I do collective readings for the week. And where I say, you know, if human consciousness is one person, what's the main message for right now? So, in terms of sisterhood, what's the main message for right now? So, what I'm hearing is to find your people. Um, Like I said before, find your people, find the people that you feel inspired and empowered by. And I also just heard, Kate, okay, this is a message. This is a clear one is that don't be afraid to make that connection that the people I'm hearing, I'm getting shivers from this one the very people that you want to associate with and be a part of, you're drawn to them for a reason. It's because you're resonating on that same frequency. Don't be afraid to make that connection. Don't be afraid to say, hey, you know what? I've always wanted to get to know you. Do you want to go for coffee sometime? Or do you want to whatever, you know? And the worst they can say is no, or they might be busy or they might be going, yes, I've always wanted to connect with that person too. So don't be afraid to take that step to make those connections. Don't be afraid to be the person that does the initiation, because they could just be waiting as well, thinking, boy, I'd love to have some new people to hang out with, you know, and so don't be afraid to be the one to take that chance.
0: That is beautiful. Thank you. That's for what that. I
1: heard. So it wasn't my knowledge. That was yes, and that you. was what I was given. <laughs> that was what I was given to tell. So and I agree.
0: <laughs> yes, I do agree too. <laughs> well, Nancy, uh, we're gonna be putting your uh, her, her information on Nancy's gonna be in this video, so like that you can contact her for any of the soul readings she do. She and also now she's NLP, and you wanna uh, therapy with with her, or uh, oh, you need to try also her tea reading that she did one for me, and it was amazing. It was really on point. So you need to try that one too.
1: <laughs> and it works remotely. I don't have to be, I mean, I did it for you. It's. It, I, I know people are often like, how do you do a tea leaf reading remotely? But we talk, I drink the tea for you and, you know, it works just as well. But I've never, it's no different than if I'm in front of somebody. So, yeah. And
0: I'm in South Texas and she's in Canada. So, and I promise you do work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Wonderful. Thank
1: you so much, Monica. And I, I really love the work that you do. You did a reading for me and it was very helpful, especially just before this surgery. We did some clearing work and it was really relevant. And, and on that note, you know, as they removed everything, um, I felt that energetic lightning, that letting go of some of those um residual things that I was holding on to that way um, that we talked about in the reading you gave for me. So I I actually I feel like that's gone now. And I feel like once I'm actually healed, I feel like I'll be a stronger, lighter, brighter person. So um, you're very on point with the work you did with me too. So I strongly recommend reading with Monica as well. (laughs) Thank
0: you, Nancy. Take care, beautiful. And be safe.
1: Yes, you too. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining me today. I would love to share with you my transformational system path to the heart that I created just for you. Head over to monicaramirezwarriotlove.com and you will find free resources. In there, you can download a masterclass in how to stop being people pleaser and meditations to get you started.